0: Guerrilla Healer presents Farms Not Farms podcast. Season two, sponsored by BuildTheSoil.com. Hold up. wait! We want to thank you for listening to the Farms Not Farms podcast presented by Guerrilla Healer by giving you a 20% off discount code to GuerrillaHealer.org. Use code SEASON2. When you check out at GorillaHealer.org of any item not currently on sale. And also be sure to check out BuildTheSoil.com, our Farms Not Farms podcast sponsor for all of your organic soil amendment needs. BuildTheSoil.com, the Internet's number one spot for your organic soil amendments. Back to the podcast. Welcome to the Farms Not Farms podcast. We're here today with another very special guest. I'm very excited for this interview and uh, today we're here with David Bronner from Dr. Bronner's Magic Soaps. If you'd be so kind to just introduce yourself real quick, tell us a little bit about you and your company and then we'll get right into some questions.
1: Yeah, right on. Well, thanks for having me. I am uh, David Bronner, Cosmic Engagement Officer, CEO at Dr. Bronner's. Um, My grandfather, Dr. Bronner, founded us as a nonprofit religious organization to unite the human race across uh religious and ethnic divides uh he put his message of unity and peace on his famous castile soaps uh his grandfather first started manufacturing soap in the Jewish quarter of a small german town called laupheim and um and uh yeah he just real uh, his his dad and uncles were and, and mom was killed in the holocaust um and uh, yeah, just originally felt that if we don't realize that transcendent unity in the next Holocaust with a nuclear armed world, we're gonna all perish. And um, yeah, just an amazing engine that he created and we try to honor that, his vision in, in different ways. And yeah, we can get into that, but uh, thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, thank you. I, um, I'm
1: not gonna lie, I didn't know
0: about that part about the story that they started uh, back then or- that lost family in the Holocaust, and uh, that's definitely, you know, they say out of out of out of big pressure, you know, comes uh, comes some some solid uh, timeless pieces of uh, of life, and that's how diamonds are created. And in this way, you know, out of, out of something absolutely terrible came something that is now, in my eyes, being an incredible contribution to our world through, you know, education and application. And so one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on on the show is because you guys are being the change with which you wish to see in the world as best as you can. You know, nobody's perfect and nobody can expect to be perfect. And, you know, it's um, in that way, you know, we can only do our best. And so many of us have uh, so much potential to, uh, to do more and through seeing inspiration, we get to learn what's possible and perhaps how to apply our own magic of what we love into the world. And so, you know, typically I asked this at the end of the, of the uh, episode, though, I wanna ask this now, what would you say your contribution to our world is?
1: Um, yeah, man. Well, um, you know, I think it is definitely, you know, resonating to my grandfather's vision and, um, you know, and we translate that in different ways. Um, but, uh, I guess one of my, I guess uh, two, my two main passion projects in life are integration of psychedelic medicines and therapy to, uh, and cannabis to help us, uh, be our better higher selves, you know, more in touch with our authentic being and connected to nature and each other and more compassionate and less judgmental. And then, um, And then regenerative organic agriculture, which basically brings together uh, kind of the best of soil health, you know, kind of organic uh, plus, uh, as well as animal welfare, so pasture-based livestock criteria, and then uh, fair labor standards, since uh, farm worker sector is uh, generally one of the kind of most most exploited. So, you know, how do we farm in nature's image? How do we make our food, our greens for our soaps, the fiber for our clothes? How do we do this in a way that's not harming nature. Um, so that's, uh, these are the two things I'm really passionate about. And we, we formed a, an organization called Re, uh, Regenerative Organic Alliance. So regenorganic.org, you can go to regenorganic.org and it's got our new standard, Regenerative Organic Certification. Um, and it's kind of like, instead of looking for organic and an animal welfare and a fair trade certification, you can get them all in one single spot. Now. Sweet. So basically,
0: with the corner of the world that you're operating in, you know, your own your own little corner, so we speak, we, we all have our own little corner, the things that you're coming into contact with or utilizing it as ingredients in, your, in your, your company that's been around since what year?
1: Well, it's a little amorphous, but my granddad, what's to say, 1948? Uh, 1948. Yeah, so, 1858, going back to the First German juice manufacturer.
0: Yeah, wow, eighteen fifty eight. So at this point, you've now established channels for your ingredients to be as sustainable as possible. Is that what I'm hearing from you?
1: Yeah. So we've got um, each of our ingredients. It's been a story. I mean, we we bought we bought our ingredients like every, everybody else from brokers on price and spec. You know, basically if it meets our spec and whoever's got the lowest price. Um, but we realize that this is what's ruining the world. And when you're buying your coconut oil and your olive oil and your palm oil, and you're not thinking about where it's coming from, what are the growing conditions, it's generally a disaster. You know, it's just like you know, rainforest being ripped up, farming communities destroyed. Um, it's just this rapacious industrial agricultural machine that's just, you know, r- ruining the world. And um, and fair and organic was good, but it, we realized it wasn't enough. And we still didn't know what were the, you know, what was the pricing? Was it fair? What were the working conditions? So we realized we needed to establish direct trading relationships with each of our farming partners and really understand and help them, uh, you know, grow to best regenerative practices. And um, so our first major ingredient was coconut oil. And there's a new book out. So it's called Honor Thy Label, Honor Thy Label by Gary Lassone. So Dr. Gero Lassone, he's our uh, VP of special operations and he's an ace on a lot of different ways, but he came to us, we, we fought the DEA over hemp, adding hemp seed oil in our soaps back in 99. Like we were in a big protracted legal battle from 2001 to 2004. And Gero came into hemp through hemp fiber and in his interest in natural fibers as alternative, alternative to synthetic petrochemical fibers and he had a lot of networks in Sri Lanka. So coconut is huge in Sri Lanka and the coconut core, the the fiber from the outer husk, there's all kinds of stuff you can do with it. So he was like coming in, he already had experience with coconut fiber and, you know, we beat the DEA together. He was, he was a key, key asset on our team. Um, but I told him, you know, the tsunami hit Sri Lanka in 2004 and we were helping him do this microloan program. And, uh, is was helping repair like fishing boats and sewing shops and stuff like that. But I'm like, Gerald, you know, there's so much coconut going on there. Let's, let's buy an oil mill and partner with these farmers on fair trade terms and, you know, really help out that way. So, you know, long story short, our, our sister company, Sarah Nepal, which is now just rocking it over in Sri Lanka working with thousands of coconut farmers and, you know, pr- you know, promoting best regenerative practices and, um you know making sure you got nitrogen fixing cover crops in between the trees and you're pruning and you're mulching and you're bringing the biomass back you know building fertility naturally um we got a partner project in ghana for palm palm is one of the worst crops how it's grown but there's nothing inherent to palm that's bad it's just another tree crop um and we're showing how you can do it in a totally regenerative system um, and actually we're intercropping, our farmers are intercropping, co- palm, cocoa, banana and Kosovo. And cocoa is also really problematic. In West Africa, it's generally grown in these dense monocultures, very pesticide intensive. Um, they actually have like child slavery because the prices are so low, um, really problematic. But we're showing when you take these crops and what we're doing is called dynamic ag forestry. And you've got, if you look at a natural forest, You'll get tall trees, mid-level trees, like bushes and ground cover. And when you, when, and that ma- ma- maximizes photosynthetic capture and biomass. And when you plant like your your crops in a similar way, if you understand like palm is tall and then your cocoa and your bananas are kind of mid-level and then your cassava is on the ground and you understand how the canopies are gonna fill in. Um, so you get the, you know, the distances right in between. like if you do this all right, like you will double your yield um versus doing monoculture blocks of those same crops in the same area you're going to double your yield you're going to double your income you're going to minimize weed and pest pressure because it's like diverse you don't have like the same thing right up next to each other um you're putting huge amounts of of carbon into the soil and you know sequestering carbon and helping mitigate climate change and so we're showing like two of the world's most problematic crops you can actually do in a totally regenerative way and then the last story i'll tell is um olive oil so our olive oil primarily comes from Palestinian farmers in the West Bank um they're doing uh, cultivating olives in a totally regenerative way and um canaan fair can trade yeah they're super dope and then the the balance so like we get 90% from Palestinian farmers and 10% comes from the Israeli side and my, one of my great aunts actually went to a kibbutz in then Palestine that became Israel and uh, I got family there and you know we hate the occupation. There's a lot of things that are you know off there, but um, you know, but Israel's great, and it's it's like America. It's a very diverse country, and you know you got your right and your left, and you know it's very complex. Um, but uh, we we partner with a Jewish family farm, and then a Christian Palestinian project on the Israeli side. So we've got Muslim like the Palestinian olive oil we get is Muslim, and so it's like Muslim Christian Jewish olive oil in our soaps. And, uh, you know, really resonating to my granddad's all all one vision and um, it's all regenerative and organic. So, yeah, so each of our ingredients has got a story and we're all trying to do, you know, make sure everyone's winning, you know, we're not like exploiting people or playing off farming communities against each other. No. That's beautiful.
0: That's beautiful, you know? And um, again, it's, it's like, you know, you can say somebody is a dreamer though until it's realized it's only in someone's head or on paper and, Hmm. you know, healing the world is uh, we know that, you know, we got to start with ourselves. And in that way, our interactions are so important that they are what builds bridges or, you know, or or the latter. And so I'm seeing, uh, I'm seeing your contribution through your actions, you know, and, and aside from the fact that I'm, uh, I'm surprised when people haven't yet heard of Dr. Bronner's and I love when people have, because most people who've heard of Dr. Bronner's use it. And, you know, I brought it down here to Mexico. Everybody I know who uses it, loves it for everything. And uh, it's, it's, There's so many products on the shelves that that I would never want to put on my body. Yeah, totally. So thank you, you know, for keeping it going and uh, allowing people like me to have something that we can rely on. That's, you know, as healthy as possible, that that I don't have to make myself because you're doing it. And it's not a million dollars and it's quality, you know, a bottle lasts you a long time if you use it right because you can dilute it so much. It's it's the real deal. And, you know, similarly with with products that that we make at Gorilla Healer, it's we don't want to cut corners because people are relying on 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 it. And um, that's why. You know, it exists in the first place. I, I don't know if you're if you know the story of why the soap was starting to get made in the first place. But I, I imagine it's because there was a need. <laughs> and yeah. if you, you you know, you're welcome to touch on that real quick. Um, even though we have limited time, it seems perhaps pertinent information to why this began in the first place. Do you, do you know?
1: Well, yeah. Um, so, I mean, we make so our family makes soap. <laughs> touched on the you know just a point you made there about you would never buy so much stuff on the shelf i mean it's crazy i mean there's so much toxic stuff out there i mean the cosmetics are not regulated uh, nearly as as well as they should be um there's just like you know hormone disruptors and all kinds of stuff and your your skin you know so your largest organ and and whatever you put on your skin is you know some amount of that's going to go in your bloodstream And it's not going to go through your liver because when you eat at least stuff goes through your liver and gets detoxified to an extent, but whatever you put on your skin, that's going in your blood and going in your body. Um, Yeah. And there's this, yeah, it's just some real nonsense. There's some really bad, bad stuff out there and including most quote unquote liquid soaps are not, don't actually even have real soap in them. They're, they're generally petrochemical surfactant detergent products uh, much, much more problematic on, on a variety of, of ways. Um, but our family makes soap in the way soap has been made for thousands of years. And, uh, you know, history of soap is probably the first, um, you know, cooking fires. You had like animal fat would drip into the ashes and you have alkali in the ash and, and soap is basically a, a simple reaction of the fatty acids in oil, oil or fats with an alkali in the case of wood ash. That would be a, potassium carbonate, um, most, uh, most, uh, solid soaps now are made with sodium hydroxide as the alkali, And in the case of liquid soap, it's potassium hydroxide. Um, but it's a very simple reaction. Um, saponification reaction. You can do it on your stovetop. Um, you just mix, mix the ingredients, you stir it up and you got soap and glycerin and water. You gotta know what you're doing. You know, you don't want to have any alkali left. That's going to be terrible on your skin. Um, and, uh, you know, so, you know, quality soap makers, they understand, you know, what oil is going to give you good lather, what oil is going to give you nice emolliency. And, uh, so our family, you know, we've been doing it for a long time. We know what we're doing. Um, but you know, the, and, and I'll say like also like the first soap factories were in the ancient Levant, um, and in uh, Aleppo in Syria, that unfortunately got, you know, super bombed and whatever, but. Over 2,000 years ago, the first soap factories appeared in Aleppo, and some of them are still functioning. And then you had Tripoli and and, uh, Lebanon became a center, and then Nablus in in Palestine. Uh, Like 600 years ago, Nablus was a a huge soap making center. So when I visit our Palestinian farmers, I can go and see these ancient soap making factories, and it's it's pretty cool. So like, you know, in in 1858, you know, this is when the you know what is it louis Presteur? uh he first identified germs the germ theory of disease you know realizing that you know washing your hands that in a hospital like just do where the surgeons would wash their hands like infectious outbreaks you know decreased a huge amount and people realized, oh shit you know we should be washing our hands a lot more so that was i think the kind of genesis like all of a sudden like uh soaps became like you know recognized that they were not just about getting you clean but actually preventing disease and that's I think kind of what presented the opportunity in my family five generations ago. Sweet yeah. and
0: so in that way I it seems like you know jumping on the uh, the the wagon to be a pioneer you know at when when the world is seeing that cleanliness is, is impactful. And throughout history, there's been different cultures that have impacted the world in, in various ways, including Judaism, you know, through how to, uh, be, uh, you know, clean and, and hygienic. So that's, that's amazing that, you know, you just shared some of the soaps of modern history with us. And, um, I'm, I'm grateful that I got to learn that. Thank you. And within that, um, you guys, you were talking about how hemp oil is one of your ingredients. Yeah. And I, I want to, uh, open up a window into how integral you guys have been in playing a part in allowing the hemp oil industry to exist. Would you, would you help open that window a little bit if you could?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, to understand how you got to understand, uh, you know, in college, um, uh, I was going, I was drinking a lot of alcohol on the weekends, you know, I was playing football, but, you know, I'm just, at a certain point, my roommates were like, you know, just smoking cannabis and listening to music, you know, it was just, I realized, man, this is way more high vibration and awesome than getting drunk at the bars every, every weekend. And just, um, and then, you know, and just like when you smoke cannabis, you realize like, wow, this is like way less problematic than alcohol. And, the government, the authority is like, couldn't be more wrong. You know, what else are they wrong about? You know, and just really, you know, kind of wakes you up. Um, and in the case of cannabis, it's, um, you know, it the marijuana tax act of 1937 was pretty much a racist policy to go after Mexican Americans um, in a, you know, kind of depression era, jobs were scarce, alcohol prohibition. just ended. You have a lot of out of work, federal regulators, something to do. And, you know, so it was basically a racist proxy against Mexican Americans and African Americans. And, um, but I wasn't aware of all this. I just knew that I needed to go to Amsterdam after college and, uh, go hang out. Cause it was, you know, free You know, cannabis. It was the center of the cannabis movement. Um, and while I was there, I, I got into the squat scene and had some huge psychedelic experiences, some really big ones, um, experienced ego death into the love and light at the heart of existence. And, understood what my granddad, Dr. Bronner was saying all his life really didn't up until then. And, uh, you know, that all the faith traditions at their best, when they're not making idols out of their beliefs and demonizing each other, that at their best, they're pointing at this transcendent source and all of them can get you there if you're humble and respectful and sincere. And, uh, and, um, yeah, it changed my life. And in my squat, there is these, um, there was these like sweet vegetarian hippie cats who'd come from Arkansas where they formed a church in 1993 with cannabis as their sacrament. And we're making a first amendment religious challenge to the drug war. And that didn't work out in 93 in Arkansas. And they were busted up and these guys were facing 10 years of life, you know? And I was just like, that's where I really woke up, you know? And I was like, man, the drug war is just decimating people. And, you know, it was a proxy, to go after the counterculture, you know, and it's in the 60s, like, you know, basically, yeah, you know, go, you know, de- you know, make cannabis and psychedelics illegal, and now you can go arrest everybody, you know, before that, and on- ongoing people of color, brown and black people, bear the brunt of it, this is wreck, you know, decimating our, our communities. Um, so it really woke up to like, I, we need to end the drug war. And that you know addiction you know people who are have addictive problems like we should just help them with treatment and you don't call the police if your alcoholic uncle is struggling you don't call the police and get him arrested you, you get him treatment you know it's not going to help him at all making his life even worse you know and like so um so in that context but then also it became vegan in this time like kind of really thinking about like the disaster of western consumption on the planet and how much agriculture and diet has to do with that and you know while I do kind of now have a more appreciation of how like a much lower level of animals can be integrated into a farm ecosystem and, and you can have a sustainable balance of plant and animal life in a farming ecosystem just like a wild ecosystem it's you know it's got to be way reduced and done in a way that's you know humane and fair and the animal leads a life worth living and can fulfill its instinctual behaviors and Anyways, going through a big transformation and, um, and it wasn't a straight line back to my family company. Cause, but in fact, I had, like, sold, sold all my stuff and moved to Amsterdam to grow plants and be an activist. Uh, but um, you know, but then that didn't quite work out and was a mental health counselor in the Boston area for a while. And at a certain point just was realizing, man, you know, like, even though I didn't want to work for my dad, my dad's awesome. Uh, I didn't want to work for him. I wanted my own thing. But then I'm like, you know, dang, you know, Dr. Brown is, is so awesome. Like I go, I go to work for a company like that in a second, you know, I'll get a real opportunity and made the choice to come in and, and was able to communicate to my granddad, you know, before he died that I was going to dedicate my life to his vision and passion and um, you know, let my dad know. And and Dr. Brown my grandma died on the same day my daughter Maya was born, March 7th, 90, 1997. And my dad was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer shortly after. Um, and uh, given six months, we had a year together, um, just really amazing, intense year together. And then when he died, I had to step up. And um, and uh, you know, one of the first things we did. Um, just as we we're kind of like, uh, you know, recalibrating and, uh, you know, vowed like we're going to run Bronner's like, you know, my family's always run this. It's an engine for progressive social change and, and hemp seed oil. I was at a trade show and first introduced to hemp seed oil. And initially my reaction was to hemp. I saw it in Amsterdam too. I was like, Oh, you know, whatever helps. And, you know, the war on drugs and cannabis and, you know, whatever. But, but I read uh, Emperor Wears No Clothes by Jack Hare just an incredible book about how important cannabis was and fiber fiber varieties of cannabis for for the world. And then in particular for American history, it was our, you know, one of our most important crops. It was in Jamestown, it was illegal not to grow hemp on 10% of your farm, like you had to grow it. And like all the clipper ships, all their sails and the ropes, all the canvas covered wagons, all our clothes, everything was hemp. And it was just all systematically covered up by the government. And so hemp seed oil, so this is the, the seed, the oil that comes from hemp seeds and hemp seeds are super nutritious and they're really high in like a complete protein. They've got omega-3, they one of the few significant plant sources of omega-3 um, and, uh, and in a cosmetic or a soap, the, the more unsaturated your fatty acid is, the more smooth and emollient it is. So the omega-3 actually made the soap lather even more emollient and less dry. So I had to convince my family. So we did a bunch of customer search, customer trials and people were like, yeah, we like the one with the hemp. So I convinced my family, but, um, but really well, you know, my agenda was that that hemp was both at the nexus of drug policy reform. It was like one of the most ridiculous examples of a drug war that was so out of control. It took this non-drug agricultural crop and made it a schedule in substance. You know? So it was like an opportunity to like engage on the drug war and like start landing some body blows. And, uh, you know, open up space for cannabis, you know, just kind of like, you know, contradict the government narrative that hemp and cannabis are plant with roots and health, no redeeming value, you know, say, no, actually it makes great soap, really good clothes, great medicine, you know, is this kind of like that agenda? And then it was also, um, you know, an amazing, uh, uh, it grows like a weed. You don't need a lot of herbicides and pesticides. It, It lends itself well to regenerative organic crop rotation. Uh, it'll shade out weeds and reduce weed pressure. And so it was our first, so it was kind of at the nexus of drug policy reform and sustainable regenerative agriculture. So that, that's why we did it. And then, you know, we in Canada had re commercialized hemp in 98. And, you know, we we're all thinking we we're going to get gore in 2000, but then we got Bush and we got 911. And then we got, you know, just a right wing just went nuts on everything. And they went nuts on industrial hemp, they went nuts on medical cannabis. And um, so they said that our hemp seed oil that we've been getting from Canada was now a Schedule One substance because of the trace residual THC that was totally inconsequential, but saying that that re controlled it under the Controlled Substances Act, even though it was explicitly exempt under marijuana. So it was just a stupid bullshit, you know read of, of, of regulations so but it was stressful because i mean it's like you know the country is traumatized like the whole you know we we uh you know we couldn't break through in the media you know it was just like you know it was a stressful time but we were we filed suit against them in the ninth circuit court of appeals and backed them down right before bob Marley's birthday february 6th um very fifth and you filed suit against who? Against the Drug Enforcement Administration, so yeah. DEA. So it was us against the DEA. So our in our company name, we, we do business as Dr. Browners, but our corporate name is All One God Faith. So it was All, all One God Faith versus the Drug Enforcement Administration. <laughs> and uh, yeah, man, and and then we we won that initial battle, and then three years later, January February sixth, two thousand four, we got a clean unanimous decision in favor in our favor. And the poppy seed bagel is really helpful because we were just making a point that meat poppy seeds there's trace opiates, it's not, it's not a problem. In fact, the government raised drug test thresholds to accommodate poppy seed bagels, and but we, with the current THC thresholds, we actually lowered the. Uh, well, we got the seeds so clean that you wouldn't be able to test positive at current drug test thresholds. So we we're just saying like, look, the government's going out of their way to help poppy seed bagels. We solved the problem with you know, on our side and now they're still coming after us. So, so we were able to back them down and, you know, fast forward, it took a while for us to actually be able to grow uh, hemp, you know, for a while we could import it, but we couldn't grow it. But finally in 2016, the farm, we got, you know, the first cracks in that. And then in 2018, we got full approval, full commercialization of hemp in the States and going hand in hand with a lot of, you know, we've been fighting to end cannabis prohibition, um, Generally, you know, first medical and then just adult use. Um, now pivoting to integrating psychedelics and ending the drug war entirely. Because if you're an addict, you, I, I was mentioning that I was down in Topetzlan. It's a beautiful spot south of Mexico City, and I was doing Ibogaine and I was doing it for more psycho spiritual purposes. And is this incredibly powerful psychedelic from um, a root, the iboga root in Africa and the pygmies. So the pygmies have been holding, you know, the iboga medicine for, you know, who, who knows how long, but they've been passing it on to tribes in, in central Africa. And ibogaine's has gotten a lot of attention because it helps people who are addicted to opiates. It has this unique ability to interrupt withdrawal and it'll reset the dopamine system while precipitating a really huge experience, like a kind of judgment day life review. I don't know if you saw black Panther, uh, so the medicine when they yep. kind of like, kind of bury you with the blue flower, yeah. And then you hit the ancestral plane and you're checking in with your ancestors and stuff. So that's kind of you know it's a Hollywood version of kind of Iva mm. Um, But yeah, you know you gotta come correct and you know you're gonna get showed what's what and it's not easy. But it can really helps people kind of get a hold of their lives and put a you know put put in place you know. Uh, yeah, it's not going to do it by itself. I mean, all the reasons you're an addict in the first place, as far as your emotional pain and trauma and whatever, still you, you still need to work on that, you know. And if, if you're not going to do it, you're going to relapse. But you won't, you'll be free of the physical craving. And and I've seen and it's been miraculous and it's been amazing. And you just realize that, like, you know, this whole criminalization of, of drug addicts and addiction is not helping anybody. And we need to just be ramping up. The treatment, the real treatments, and psychedelic-assisted therapies. This has huge promise for people struggling with substance use disorders. And now, yeah. oh amen. You know, there's there's
0: a uh, it's there's, there's a friend of mine is a PhD, Dr. Bob. He says that those of us who are endocannabinoid deficient live in fear and want to control, and those of us who are content don't. And, uh, you know, in, in that way, because our endocannabinoid system helps with stress-free adaptation, we're going through life, you know, mm. uh, just taking things uh, as they come. And, and uh, you know, while others who are more, those of us who are more fearful are looking to protect that by thwarting off any potential dangers and, and whatnot. And in that way, it, you know, we could imagine through that rabbit hole, why, you know, whoever's been the powers that be pulling the strings or, or on, on the front lines or whatever that we see, why, you know, the interests would be there to keep the people away from things that would allow us to wake up or allow us to take care of ourselves in a way that we're less dependent and more sovereign. And, you know, that, that, that seems to be, you know, uh, going against the grain in a society that needs dependence. <laughs> so uh, it's, I'm, I'm grateful that you're sharing your message, you know, the, the truth that you found in this and, and that people can have an inspiration. Like I was saying before, you know, we're humans and we, we mimic and we learn through things that we see and then we put our own little spin on it. At least that's what I'm learning. And so in that way to know what's possible out here, you know, um, you seem like a very functional individual so we don't have to go into you being uh you know what, like the reasons why you did Ibogaine though I've I've seen uh documentaries on it and, and information about it since for a long time now that it definitely has incredible potential to support people with serious addictions and at the same time I'm sure that it can support people who aren't full blown addicts and are just looking to perhaps align more with the journey. And uh, so that's that's interesting that, that you brought up Ibogaine at this time, you know?
1: Yeah, totally. And yeah, just, um, yeah, no, I, I wasn't struggling uh, with, with, uh, you know, substance use disorders in, in, in the way like a lot of people do, but I did have a friend who showed up, you know, hot nosedive. And it was just kind of a journey with him three years ago where, and, you know, when you read about Ibogaine, you generally are like, whoa, I mean, that's something I'm never going to do, you know, and, but it's, it's actually amazing medicine and, and the trip accounts. I mean, a lot of times when you're reading trip accounts, of people who are really desperate, you know, they're at a desperate place in their life, you know? And so it's, I mean, it's not that the experience isn't grueling, but I mean, that you just got to kind of put that context on it. So you know in my experience, it's not any more, grueling than ayahuasca it's you know can also you know be very difficult but difficult isn't bad you know it's just like you're just you know you, it's like there's a lot of stuff we avoid facing or dealing with or whatever or just don't want to acknowledge and you know that's never fun but that's you know that's what the medicine is and uh yeah and so i've, I've really appreciated it. i've also done a boga and a more kind of bwiti the bwiti is the religion and it means the study of life and the bwiti are the um, yeah, they've been holding the medicine and, you know, it's for them, it's not about addiction at all. It's just, it's about, you know, just getting in touch with truth and spirit. And, um, and yeah, so I'm, I'm excited to continue to deepen my, uh, how do you say alliance and appreciation of these, especially these indigenous medicines. I kind of came in more through LSD and MDMA and stuff, but really been appreciating the indigenous ceremonial plant medicine, Container and just how powerful that is, and so I've been down to Weiracuta down in uh, uh, So Huicho, the Raratica. They've been holding peyote ceremony for you know ten thousand years uh, down in Mexico. You know, just super powerful. And uh, in fact, I was there right before I went to Expo West to launch the Regenerative Organic Standard with allies from Patagonia and Compassionate Farming and feral Project. And I was down there and it was an all night uh, uh, prayer for world unity and just really powerful. And, um, and, um, and the day, so it's all night and then the day of the, with the rising of the sun, it's my granddad's death day, my daughter's birthday. Um, You know, my granddad was all about world unity and it was just couldn't be more appropriate and awesome. And uh, but they sacrifice a bull with the rising of a sun to symbolize the cycles of life and death and rebirth. And, you know, and you know, as a lifelong vegan, you know, this is pretty intense. But I'm just, you know, sitting present to it, and and you know, I'd already gone on a deep dive, visiting different farms, and you know, realized that, you know, if you're a high level livestock operator, and you're, you know, your animals are lived in on pasture and are not in these little tiny cages, um, you know, living a miserable, horrible life. But if you know, living a good life, and then their last day is you know, humane and quick that, you know, okay, I'm in solidarity with you, like, you know, against the factory farming machine that's eating the world for lunch, you know? And, but nonetheless, very intense to be present to this. But what hit me was that that the colonial judgment that would judge this act of animal sacrifice barbaric is so asked backwards that, that this animal lived a life worth living. It got, you know, it's, it's being prayed over. It's all its flesh will be reverentially consumed. And it's the 99% of animals in our world that are being raised in cages. Nobody takes any responsibility. It's fucking a horse show. It's miserable. Their best day of their life is their last day. Um, Nobody
0: knows them or celebrates them or prays over them.
1: No, this is, you know, that's, that's the, you know, that's what's barbaric and, and that we need to restore this more indigenous way of, of being and relating and healing and that this is the medicine, and this is the way that you know we need to humble ourselves and learn because we're way out of balance, and we need to get in into balance, which the indigenous are, and they have the medicines to help them, and um, and just really realizing it as I was going to Expo West, they'll help launch the standard. Like, wow, you know, this is like kind of all about like restoring right relationship between humanity and animals and nature, and, and really appreciated. The yeah, so yeah, so that indigenous way is uh, is something I really want to understand better. Yeah. Bro, 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 bro! Perfect
0: timing. Uh, my uncle Doug Goodfeather, a Lakota medicine man, just released a book. It's called Think Indigenous.
1: Oh, wow! And
0: please, definitely get yeah. it. I've been. I just got my mother a copy. I got. I got a copy, hard copy, but I just got the Kindle. I've been reading it on the way here. It's so. thank you, uncle. Oh. It's incredible. Also, just since I'm thanking, I want to thank Rajit Mars for connecting us. Oh
1: yeah, right
0: on. Yeah, cool. <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah Indigenous is a is a great is a great uh, great book, and uh, to learn not not necessarily how to be Lakota, you know, but how to think more Indigenous since we're all Indigenous to this Earth, to some place mm-hmm. on this Earth. And um, being more in touch with ourselves, with spirits, with 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 every living thing, and you know, in that way, living a good life and walking a good road. And so, definitely check out Think Indigenous by Doug Goodfeather. Dude, uh, I go
1: totally will, man. I'm gonna immediately get that. And you know, I was actually when I went down to uh, Wirokuta, I was with Native American church leadership, um, including Sandor Iron Rope, and he's uh, the head of the Lakota Native American Church. Super duper dope cat. Yeah. So awesome. It's, yeah.
0: One of the cool things about Lakota and and and, and uh, the way of that I've learned from Doug Goodfeather, who learned from uh, great Uncle Crow Dog who just passed away, may he rest may he uh, journey home well, um, is that they don't they don't use psychedelics when they journey. And you know, going out and on Bletcher vision quests for up to four days or more. I met a man who just who had done eight days, no food or water. Yeah, and, you can get
1: there in other ways, man. Mm. Dude, that Sundance, I don't know. I mean, I, I've been invited. I'm like, I don't know, man, that Sundance. That's, I mean, but similar, right? You dance all night, all day, no food, no water. Yeah, yeah.
0: not. The one I went to uh, up in uh, Fort Laramie, Wyoming was not. They didn't dance at night. They danced during the day. They don't need a drink at night, though. Um, And then they come out each day and dance all day long. And that is four days, no food or water. And then did they get suspended with the hook? There are people that do pierce and um, there's different ways to do it, whether or not you, you, uh, you, you yeah, there's, there's different ways to do it. I've seen it done from the tree, which is the the sacred tree in the middle. I've seen it done uh, from bull. From, from uh from buffalo uh but um you know yeah respecting their ways and keeping it as, as uh as as uh and, and you know uh private as possible because I'm, I'm not one to to share these ways uh
1: no 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 for sure but but the point i think the point we're making is that there's ways of accessing yes soulful deep soul like you know kind of you're basically starving your ego, your small self to like get in touch with the, the spirit world. And and uh, yeah, man, yeah, psychedelics is one path, but there's others, yeah.
0: It's a path that has absolutely helped me and been profound uh, in different points of my, my life. When it first started, I was intrigued through peyote by mm-hmm. learning about doors and wasn't able to find it. And and uh, thanks to the, the rave scene, I found a myriad of things including LSD which has really opened me up and of course and DMA and um so on and so forth and then had an incredible experience with DMT that that really uh revealed my smile and, nice, uh, man. and wow. you know so from there I definitely agree or or, or share the sentiment that you know, we are, we're all connected, especially under the sun. You know, I don't know what's going on out there. Um, but I, um, I I do enjoy giving, uh, celebrating those of us who are luminaries in our world and seeing our contributions through our actions, like I was saying. And so being somebody that uses your products, you know, I just, I, I'm really, I'm really happy that I, I'm able to share, to learn from you and with you and share this in a a good way to people because I feel that, you know, from people who want to be business owners, from people who are business owners that, that, you know, want to be more mindful about our impact or about the integrity of our business, the integrity of who we are, for people who want to experience Quality for people who want to know how to vote with our dollar and how to create change in our world through perhaps now understanding we can vote by where we put our dollars and, you know, giving it to companies who care about us. Mm-hmm. And so in this way, again, I salute you guys for, for putting in your care into action. And not only that, but, you know, I've always been somebody who's been considered somewhat of a rebel and, you know, my I, I rap and the name is Burnt, or Burnt MD, the microphone doctor. And so being burnt, it's been like a shadow under the sun. And in that way, you know, we from Burnt Forest comes less growth. So what people see as like against the grain or, or, or the shadow side or whatever it is, that's where real work gets done. Wow. And I see, you know, it's being in, in uh, marketing and branding and products and seeing how, you know, I don't. And I I enjoy being original, and so through enjoy being original, and through knowing that education is the key to understanding and learn and and having more of a reason to care, that I see the way you guys are marketing even is you know you look at a Dr Bronner's bottle and you have bathroom reading material, you have you have learning material, you have the you know you're gonna you're going to get some history. You're going to get some, some of your passion. You're going to, you know, talk about that a little bit, if you will, you know, just being original and, and educating through, uh, through, through any means you can.
1: Yeah. So, so my granddad, when he was, you know, he, he uh, you know, felt originally called on his uh, life mission here to, you know, unite the human race. So he's going around lecturing in the country and, and, uh you know people come and he was selling his soap his family's uh, natural concealed soaps on the side this is the post World war ii era so everything was moving to a petrochemical basis so you know all of a sudden there's like pesticides and like fertilizers and plastic and everything uh so the the soaps were kind of like a little out of fashion um but uh but he um uh, was going around lecturing and he noticed that, you know, where were we getting out. That like, you know, God, you know, this is pretty gosh darn dang good soap. And uh, people were coming to get the soap and not really listening to what he had to say. So he put his message on the bottle. So that's when he started, like, okay, well, I'm going to just put it on the bottle. So then when you forget a magazine in the bathroom, I've got you. So, uh, so, yeah, so that's uh, that, that, that's where that came from. But, yeah, he, he was a big fan of Thomas Paine, one of the revolutionary fathers. And Thomas Paine was a famous pamphleteer. And, uh, you know, my granddad really believed in the power of pamphlets. So, in a way, it's, like, kind of pamphleteering. And that's what we do. So, you know, we generally, the label's a memorial to my granddad. But, like, every once in a while we'll do a special label for, like, a few months just to communicate about an issue we believe in. So this was our heal soul label uh, and it's all about psychedelics and psychedelic medicine. And, and so this, you know, we sell in all like, you know, obviously all the natural food markets and whole foods and stuff, but also like Walmart and Walgreens and, you know, just, you know, everywhere we're everywhere now. So, you know, when, when we did this, we were like, you know, I was, you know, I was expecting that we were going to have a bunch of our customers freak out and we'd have to swap in our old label, you know, but at least we do it for a little bit before they found out. But, you know, but my, my brother company president, Mike Bronner, Bronner uh, he said, that, you know, our goal here is to communicate in a way my mom's church group can receive. Like, how do we talk about psychedelic therapy and medicine? So it's like a very, you know, just serious, you know, just kind of presenting like just how healing this is and yeah. for veterans and just everybody. And, and, um, and we didn't get one complaint. And in fact, Walgreens, like we, they, they said, cause they want to do an ad and, and we said them like our normal thing is like, no, we want the Heal Soul label. And I was just like, you know, wow. So <laughs> the, yeah. Yes. Oh yeah. Wow. What what flavor is this?
0: It's lemon cream.
1: Lemon cream.
0: Yeah. You know <laughs> so we sorry to play around flavors.
1: Oh, okay, so Kimmy is our, our magician in the kitchen, so we do free plant-based meals, organic plant-based meals at Bronner's, and um, on Fridays, we, we the, the taco truck comes out, and we'll do uh, grass-fed beef and do high-level pastry meats, but uh, generally, it's all, you know, free vegan meals, and uh, she's been playing around with the ice cream machine, so there's, like, a, some Coke and a lemon cream.
0: Oh, man.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, man. Mm, right on. Yeah, okay, that's where it's at. Bless. Bless. Yeah, hundred percent.
0: Yeah, Eat the yeah. rainbow and feel feel the love, and spread the love. you know, I'm I'm I just love uh, a being able to give people flowers and celebrations while we're alive. And B, mm. I love love. And so seeing where, you know you're placing all of this love and care into different parts of your life, like things that you care about. I always say, you're the only one that loves what you love the way you love it. And that's the magic that you bring to the world as long Mm. as you're cultivating your love Mm. and sharing that. And I remember one time smoking DMT in the forest and then realizing like, oh my God, I can't move because there's life all around me. Anywhere I go, I'm going to impact something's life. And then realizing that lesson out in the world because I've been so impactful in so many ways, not even realizing it and then realizing the power that we have by actually doing nothing. Mm. We're so powerful. If we do nothing, (laughs) things just work, you know, not necessarily in our lives, but for the world, you know, one of the things that it says in think indigenous is like, you know, one of the only life forms on earth, or if not the only life form on earth that you can take away from earth and Earth will continue, if not even better, as humans. Every other life form, if you took it away, it would impact some other life in some other way. Mm-hmm. And you know, in that way, being stewards of the world might just serve our own ego. I don't know why we're here, though. I do know that I'm not here to ruin anybody else's life. In fact, I really enjoy uh, uh, what you know, being seeing other people really happy. And so, whatever I can do to, I don't know if I can make anybody else's life better, though. I can definitely influence others. Or yeah whatever it is. And so, um, you know, just thank you for doing your part and for, uh, you know, coming on the show, being willing to, to spread your love and your message. And, and you know, if is there anything that, uh, I know we have a few minutes left, so is, is there anything that when you're walking around or when you're doing your work or whatever it is, you're like, man, I really wish people knew this. And I know you put a lot of information on your bottles and, and whatnot, yeah. but, you know, this would be a great time to, to open up that window and 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 share some of your uh, your personal thoughts and beliefs, and what what you think can might be able to inspire another to care more. You know,
1: yeah. I mean, I think we you know you, you're saying it well, and and you know it's it's about love. You know, I mean, we're we're here to get down with each other and love one another, make it serve, and just serve spirit. You know, in the midst of the absurdity and the suffering, it's that love is at the heart of it and wants to manifest and, you know, this, this world can be a way, way better version of itself. And, um, yeah. So, and as you say, like each of us has a unique gift and kind of like figuring out what that is and what that, what truth you bring and just rocking it. And, uh, yeah. And, and psychedelic medicine sounds like helped both of us a lot. And I think it'll help a lot more people it's, uh, you know, be intentional, you know, and pay attention to set and setting and preparation and integration, but yeah, these allies can really help. And, um, yeah, man. And, you know, thank you brother for, for rocking your path and, and sharing. And, um, I want to know like, what, 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 so burnt, what's your, uh, MC, uh, burnt MD. Yeah. Burnt MD man. Right on. Yeah, man. Thank you. Yeah.
0: Oh, uh, I was going to say real quick that you had said that your message, you know, you, your your brother Mike was saying he wants it to be able to be deliverable or, or, or palatable for your mother's church group. And, mm. you know, recently, uh, during the pandemic, I uh, recorded a song with my, my friend Silent Bear, and it's called Illuminate Yourself. Mm. And uh, it's a beautiful video, a drone-based video, made by my friend Michael Murray that's on YouTube. Uh, though... I got to perform, I got invited to perform it at the daughter of a rabbi, of an of a observing Hasidic rabbi, a Jewish rabbi's daughter. And um, they just wanted me to come rap. And so I performed that song. And it ended up being apparently one of the talks of the wedding and got to speak to a bunch of rabbis that came from New York and all these places that were interested in this song that wow. you know, I, I would have never been able to prior to that rap in front of like people like that, that were, you know, um, more respectful. It just, it wasn't the kind of messages or frequencies that would have been palatable in that way. And so being able to do that and being received allowed me to understand truly even more my impact and like the words that I speak and how they're, where they're going to live. And I, I, I remember looking at, you know, listening to some older tunes that I put out and just hearing so much aggression and anger or sadness or whatever it is and how that, how that got expressed and seeing today the difference and just really uh, being grateful for the ability to be grateful and to live in gratitude more and to share that, that frequency of joy, you know, rather than choosing to share the frequency of pain and and, and, and anger and living in that. And it's just a different life. Um, wow.
1: Yeah. Well, right on brother. I don't know if you're ever up in the San Diego area, but yeah, you know, look me up, let's hang out.
0: Thank you, man. I, I, I might be very soon, actually. And if you come to Colorado or when you do, definitely feel free to link up. We can uh, do some really cool things and uh, and uh, look forward to talking with you more. Thank you for your time. And I'm glad we, we got to connect. Shout out to BuildTheSoil.com. They're all about... Uh, the um, regenerative of agriculture and, and organic soil amendments and living soil and no-till living soil and definitely um, all aligned with what you guys are promoting. So thank you for doing your, your part in that way because we really have the ability to respond to our abilities to grow healthier, more nutrient-dense foods and products that that uh, give back to the world in beneficial ways rather than just taking from it and taking animal environments and so on and so forth. So thank you for, for doing your part. Dr. Bronner's, how do people get in touch with Dr. Bronner's? I know you said you're in stores everywhere, but where, where can they find you? Yeah.
1: Dr. Bronner, drbronner.com. And uh, yeah, a lot, a lot more info and get, get, get stuff that the stores don't got. Yeah. Get some ads, whatever. Awesome.
0: Well, we'll connect. Thank you so much. Big love. Yeah, and, big uh, love, brother. As love. always, let's uh uh complete this show sharing the, the miracle of life with a deep breath on the count of three. One, yeah. two, three. Thank you so much. Continue enjoying your day. Yeah, right on. Thank you, brother. Blessings. Make sure you subscribe to the Farms Not Farms podcast on Spotify and Apple and now Google Podcast. Check out all the archived episodes of farmsnotfarms.org and um, blessings on your journey. Thank you for listening to the Farms Not Farms podcast brought to you by Guerrilla Healer. If you want to watch the full episode with behind the scenes footage, check out our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash burntmd. And subscribe to the Farms Not Farms podcast on Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts. And definitely check out our sponsor at buildasoil.com, the Internet's number one spot for organic soil amendments. And as always, be well.